You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today we're very excited to have a special guest speaker with us. Now let's prepare our hearts as our special guest brings forth God's truth from His Word today. I tell you what, here's, here's the wonderful thing. We can always go to the Word of God. And that's what we're going to do. I'd like you to stand with me. Turn to Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1. And we're going to read the first chapter of Job tonight, and I hope to be an encouragement and a help. And I, I told my deacons today, Pastor, we had a deacons meeting on Sunday afternoon. By the way, that's the furthest thing from carnal. Well, maybe the closest thing to it. I don't know what it is. Amen. We got done with a potluck. That was carnal for sure. That was flesh. Uh, but at the end, of, we always we, we, we audio tape our deacons meeting. We always just for archiving purposes and whatnot, but there are many times during the meeting where we shut the recording off. And I just told them to pray for you tonight. And I'll tell you what, I, I play the end of the recording for you as one of my deacons prayed for you, and he broke down in prayer, and I thought, to God be the glory. You know, God, the Bible still says that a broken and a contrite heart, O oh God, thou will not despise. Our heart should be broken over this kind of a situation. And uh, not just for Pastor and Shelly, but for Levi as well. Um, it's amazing how much we know when we're 17. And all God's people said, Amen. Yeah, so Job chapter 1, I'm, I'm going to read the scripture here. And let's do this. P- Pastor, would it be all right if we read responsively? Okay. Uh, I'll read the odd verses. You read the even verse. I'm just used to doing that at our church. We, we do that. And uh, it's a way, by the way, it's a wonderful way to lift up and exalt the Word of God. And uh, it's also another great way to get people to carry a King James Bible. Nice and easy. Eh? Boy, my Bible doesn't read like that. Well, we got one right here in the bookstore for you. Here you go. Amen. And uh, so Job chapter 1. And uh, I hope to preach a message to be a blessing to you called What to Do When the Hedge is Lifted. What to do when the hedge is lifted. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and 500 yoke of oxen and 500 she-asses and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. And his sons went and feasted in their houses, every one his day, and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so, when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them, and rose up early in the morning, and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned. And cursed God in their hearts, thus did Job continually. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? 
Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made an hedge about him, and about his house, and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thy hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power, only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. And there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating, drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing, and the asses feeding beside them. And the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them away. Yea, and they have slain thy servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The fire of God is fallen from heaven, and hath burned up the sheep and the servants, and consumed them, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away, yea, and have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness, and it smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young man, and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. We'll have a special now. As the sun rose that morning on the day of Job's trial, he rose up to serve God as any other day. Bound and determined to live in God's favor, and nothing would stand in his way. Then the messengers came one by one with their stories. In just a few moments, Job lost all he had. Great wealth and riches, the health of his body, and even his children were dead. The Lord giveth, he taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'll serve him. 
shore and I'll serve him today. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Then his wife came before him to voice her opinion. She said, you should end it. Just curse God and die. But Job rose from the ashes and he looked toward the heaven. He brushed back the tears in his eyes. He said, The Lord giveth, he taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I served him before and I'll serve him today. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When troubles come silently, blessed be the name. When the storm winds roll violently, blessed be the name. When Satan comes oppressing me, blessed be the name. I'll still serve God faithfully, blessed be the name. The Lord giveth, he taketh away, blessed be the name of the Lord. I've served him before and I'll serve him today, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord, the Lord. Thank you so much, girls. Appreciate that. And uh, before I get into the message, I want to say how much I appreciate your pastor. He's my friend. And uh, we are friends, brothers. Uh, many, most times we see things the same way. We just, I mean, it's not that we never disagree. It's just he never allows me to be wrong. You know, that's just how it is. Amen. I mean that, though. We're, we're, we're friends. And I, I've said it so many times. I, I said I was privileged to preach at a youth banquet. You remember, Pastor? And I said to the young people of this church, I said, don't come over to Loomis and you know, start attending and tell me you've got a problem with Dan White. I said, because you'll have a problem with me. Well, I wish more pastors felt that way about those kind of things. Amen. It's just, no, go make things right. And then if he gives you leave, that's fine. Don't, don't do that, amen. And by the way, that's why we're friends. It's called integrity, and now all God's people said. Uh, you know, and, and it seems like you'd have more of it in the ministry. I'll just leave that alone, amen. I better get to preaching here. The book of Job is an extremely interesting book of the Bible. Many commentators think it's the oldest book of the Bible. And there are some good reasons for that. There's no nation of Israel. There's no Mosaic law. There's no kings, no prophets, and... Most believe Job to be a contemporary of Abraham. And in chapter 1, verses 1 through 10, we have the introduction of Job's life. We're introduced to this man, Job, that was perfect and upright. And again, uh, it goes without saying perfect doesn't mean sinless. It means he was mature in the Lord, and it's proof positive in things we read about him here. He was one that feared God and eschewed evil. 
He was from the land of Uz. Also mentioned in Jeremiah 25.20 and Lamentations 4.21. He had seven sons and three daughters. He was a very prosperous man. The Bible here says he was the greatest of the men of the East. He was concerned about his children's spiritual welfare. I find it amazing to read that, Brother Corser, to, to look at uh, what it says here. He, he, how he offered burnt offerings for his children just in case they had cursed God in their hearts. And it says he did that continually. What a father Job was. And he was somebody, according to verse number 10, if you look at it with me, who had God's hedge of protection upon him. You remember what happened here. Satan comes into God's presence and he accuses Job of serving God just for the blessings. And Satan here means to insinuate that Job's piety or love for God is wholly selfish and will vanish as soon as he finds that it ceases to bring him reward or earthly good. And may I say this, ladies and gentlemen, I'm thankful to God for the blessings. Hey, uh, we sang the song, Count Your Blessings. Name them one by one. Boy, I'll tell you, we, we sing it a little different in our church sometimes, Pastor. We say, name them ton by ton. If God's blessed you, say amen. amen. And I'm glad for the blessings, but we ought not to serve God just because He blesses us. We ought to serve Him because He's Almighty God. Amen. And He's worthy of our service. God doesn't always bless His servants with prosperity. He did here with Job. He didn't with Paul. Hmm? I think Paul's the greatest Christian that's ever drawn breath of man and woman. He didn't, he didn't have prosperity. You ever read the back end of 2 Corinthians chapter 11? A night and a day in the deep. Uh, three times received I forty stripes, save one. Uh, privations, that is that word again, Pastor, I'm sorry, amen. <laughs> the devil accuses Job's character to God. And furthermore, he accuses God of keeping a protective hedge around Job. Now I'd like to speak a little bit by way of introduction about the hedge. It's very easy for God's people, both biblically and by experience, to see that God has a hedge of protection around us. Biblically, Psalm 34, 7, The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him. Psalm 41, 2, The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive. He shall be blessed upon the earth, and thou wilt not deliver him unto the will of his enemies. When Moses and the children of Israel were trapped between the Egyptians and the Red Sea, God's hedge was there. Exodus 14, 20 said, And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of the Israelites, and it was a cloud of darkness unto them, but it gave light by night to these, so that one came not near all the night. Uh, Daniel uh, chapter 3, the three Hebrews, did they not experience the hedge? Daniel 3.28, then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants. Hey, by the way, we know it wasn't just an angel. When he said, we, we put three in there, didn't we? We, we? It was three, right? Three? He said, I see four. Loose. Walking around. And the fourth is like unto the Son of God. Whew. 
What a hedge. Hey, when Daniel was in the lion's den, God's hedge was there. Daniel 6.22, my God has sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouth. It's truly easy to look at the Bible and say, you know what, there's a hedge around God's people. But I'd say even by experience, there's a hedge about us. I'll never forget, I, uh, 2004, October, dear friend of mine, dear friend of mine in the ministry, pastored in Onaway. I, I used to joke with him all the time. I said, you know, the road to nowhere goes right past your house. In Onaway. There's nothing up there. Amen. I mean, nothing. He's a dear friend of mine from Bible college. We were buddies in Bible college. And uh, I, was, uh, I went to Bible college at 25, which is not old, and all God's people said. I noticed a lot of you hoary headers said amen pretty loud there on that one, too. Uh, but, but, you know, when you're, when you're 25 and everyone else is 18, you seem pretty old. Amen. And me and this brother just hit it off, and we became friends, dear friends, good friends. And he moved up to Onaway, started pastoring a church, and God gave him a little boy. And then his wife got pregnant with a second boy. And uh, he called me uh, about maybe two, three months into the pregnancy, Pastor. And he said, uh, he said Rich, I, I want to tell you something. And I said, okay. He said, well, we found out my wife's pregnant, and uh, she's expecting a baby. But they, they gave us some terrible news. He said, they told us that our baby has something called anencephaly. And if there are any nurses, I don't know if there's any medical people, and you know what anencephaly is. It, an anencephalic baby is a baby that's born without a brain. There's no development above the eyes. And so those of you that know, uh, if you've seen your babies born, and you see when they give them that little, little pat, uh, what it does is it takes the brain stem and that electrical impulse from the brain stem basically ignites the brain. But when you don't have one, it just kind of shorts out. And so, of course, they, the doctors advised of an abortion. And my friend refused to do that. He said, we're not going to do that. He said, we're going to sing to them and love them and pray with them as long as we have them. And that little baby was born, lived for five hours, and passed away. And I thank God for a wonderful hospital staff, too. They put a little hat on him, pictures, you know, just precious. I, one of the most precious pictures I have is my, my friend's wife. She'd, she'd just given birth. She had her finger, and the little baby's hand was wrapped around her finger. I said, praise the Lord. And he asked me, he said, would you come do the funeral? I said, of course I would. Flew into Flint from Massachusetts. And uh, when I was in Flint, I was supposed to get a full-size car. And uh, they didn't have one. Now, you look at me. I need a full-size car. Don't give me one of those Priuses or those, those, those smart cars. Nothing smart about that. It's a smart coffin as far as I'm concerned if you get in an accident. Amen. I guess the only thing smart about it, Pastor, is if it breaks down, you just pick it up by the handle and walk down the street with it. Amen. I mean, I think that's pretty smart. But... They, they were so apologetic. Like, I was supposed to get, like, a Ford Taurus or, you know, just your normal size. And, and uh, for, he must took one look at me and thought maybe I'd be trouble. And he said, listen, I'll upgrade you. I'm going to give you a Chevy Trailblazer. It costs more, but it's not going to cost you more. It's our fault. We gave away the full size. I said, that's fine. I don't really care anyway. So we went, did the funeral. Just one of the most, you know, when you do a funeral of a, of a coffin that's this big, I'm telling you what breaks your heart. Here's my dear friend and his wife weeping and slept the next day. And we had some students, Pastor, at the time that were down at Midwestern Baptist College in Pontiac, where I graduated from, Dr. Malone School, and I wanted to go see them. And uh, as I was uh, heading down, it was in Gaylord. It was the very end of October, November, and 
there was some snow, some early snow, which wasn't any big deal to me. I'm from New England, and we have plenty of snow there too. So, uh, But what happened was, ladies and gentlemen, I, I was up in Gaylord. I can still remember the spot. I, I, when I pass that, that way now, it just still gives me shudders. As I came around this corner on I-75, the tires left the road, and I hit black ice underneath the snow. And I was going 70 miles an hour, should have been pointing this way, like this, going down the highway. And I came to this large embankment, this 12-foot embankment, where, thank God, there was no trees. And I remember, I remember a day, Brother uh, Westheimer, where I would have said other things when something like that happened. But this time, I literally just braced myself against the steering wheel, which afterwards somebody told me you're not supposed to do. That's good to know for next time. <laughs> Tell you what, I braced myself against the steering wheel, and I had my seatbelt on. For all you libertarians, put your seatbelt on. And I said, oh, God, please help me. And as I went down to that embankment, boom, 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 boom. At least three times, I think four times, we rolled over that trailblazer. If I'd have been a Taurus, I'd have been dead. My neck would have been broken. I'd have been crushed. But that trailblazer had a roll cage around it. You say, what is that? The hedge. The hedge. The hedge. My wife had a spin out on I 90 years ago in Massachusetts, the Mass Pike. I remember that, honey? I mean, it's just it hit snow, and somebody in front of her hit the brakes, and she literally went, you know, hit one guardrail, went, went across both lanes, hit the other guardrail, spun around, and, and kept driving. Typical woman driver, you know? It's just. <laughs> I'll, share, I'll share, a funny, share a funny story about that. Anybody? Anybody ever stubbed their toe? You stub your toe. My wife one time, she stubbed her toe, and, and she's like, oh, man, I stubbed my toe. And Pastor, me drumming up all the compassion that a, that a husband has, I, I just looked at her and said, who does that? <laughs> if I'm lying, I'm dying. Not long after, I'm walking out in an area with no shoes on where the cement was raised up. I don't know who did that, Pastor, but I, I tell you what, I want to find out. And I literally, I stubbed my toe, and I, I walked into the house going, oh, 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 oh. My wife says, what'd you do? I says, oh, I stubbed my tootsie. I stubbed my toe. And she says, who does that? <laughs> oh, my. Have you ever thought about how much the devil hates you? One of our professors used to say, if the devil had his way, you'd be nothing more than an oil slick on the ground. If God removed the hedge for just one second, huh, how many times could we say, if I'd have gone right instead of left, I'd have been in that accident? If I uh, hadn't delayed for a few seconds, ever been at a light? And you're a little bit delayed, and somebody behind you, Wah! Dr. Malone used to say, you know what the twinkling of an eye is? 
The twinkling of an eye, how quick the rapture is going to happen. He used to say this. It, it's so quick. It's like when you have your foot on the brake and bef- the light turns green and before you can get it to the accelerator, the lady behind you is going, wah, on the horn. That's a twinkling of an eye. <laughs> how many times if we hadn't delayed for just a few seconds at the light and that truck came barreling through the intersection? Hmm? The hedge. There's a hedge of protection. Job here has a hedge. Look at it again in verse 10. He has a hedge about his being. Hast thou not made an hedge about him, the Bible says. You know, when you drift off into unconsciousness, you are completely in the protecting hands of God. I think about that, Pastor, when I pray with people that go into surgery. They go under anesthesia. Absolutely in the hands of God. The hedge. Dear mother, have you ever considered that precious little baby in your belly? That little baby's very being is under the protective hedge of God. Not only is there a hedge about our being, but according to this text, there's a hedge about our buildings. Hast not thou made an hedge about him and about his house? You ever thought about the electrical current running through your home? And how just one spark, it could be nothing but ashes. See, what is that, Pastor? The hedge. He had a hedge about his belongings. Hast not thou made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? I'm sorry, ladies, but all that junk in your garage that your husband has, there's a hedge about it. I'm sorry, amen. Now, you're probably thinking, I wish he'd lift the hedge there just a little, amen, so we get rid of some of that stuff. What am I saying? Thank God for the hedge. Thank God for the hedge. We need to be so thankful for God's protecting hedge in our lives, in our children's lives, in the lives of those we love. However, back to the story. Here, the hedge is lifted. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power, only upon himself put not forth thine hand. And as, listen, ladies and gentlemen, as soon as the hedge is lifted, the Sabaeans come and kill Job's oxen and servants. Fire falls from heaven, destroys Job's sheep. Chaldeans steal Job's camels, kill his servants, and all of Job's children were feasting and are killed. And the title of the message is What to Do When the Hedge is Lifted. Hey, we love Hebrews chapter 11, don't we? Those that, That's the hall of what? Faith. And we read about incredible stories and how God works and how they wrought miracles and, and, and raised the dead. But, you know, it still says at the end in verse 35, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better re- resurrection. Others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. History tells us that the prophet Isaiah, the one who wrote, his name shall be wonderful, counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. The one who wrote that was put into a hollow log and sawed in two. See, sometimes in this life, for reasons only God Himself knows, He lifts the hedge, doesn't He? Sometimes a baby dies in the womb. Hmm? Sometimes a preacher succumbs to cancer. Sometimes a great kid dies. 
Sometimes a man of God who's been faithful endures great trials. What do we do when this happens? We can learn some precious truths for the life of Job and what he did when the hedge is lifted. And I'd like us to look at several things that will be a help to us. And I don't know if God will lift the hedge in your life. But I know that if we know what the Word of God says, that we'll be much more likely to get through those trying times and allow God to conform us into His image. The first thing that Job did, look at our text, verse 20, please. What's the first thing that Job did? It says, Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his, fed, shaved his head and fell down upon the ground. And what is it, church? Number one. What do you do when the hedge is lifted? Worship. Worship. Job worshipped at a time when most would crumble. Just imagine, here at Fellowship Baptist Church, attending a funeral with ten caskets. You have to take out all these chairs. Wouldn't have enough room. Imagine that. I'll never forget November 28, 2003. It's getting farther in the rearview mirror, honey, isn't it? My wife was in Arizona visiting her family and for the Thanksgiving holiday, and day started off great. It was Friday. I, before I came to be the pastor at Loomis, I was an associate pastor in New England at two different churches, and I worked in aerospace quality for years just to make tents and pay the bills and uh, it was a blessing. So uh, you, you folks know that you work those weekends. You, when you have uh, Thanksgiving on Thursday, you usually get the Friday off afterwards. We always did. Of course, we paid for it that Wednesday before because we worked about 15 extra hours to get the day and a half off. And all God's people said, you know, amen. And it was great. My dad and I was living then, and we, uh, I, I scheduled a day of rest, and we went out for breakfast and went to a Polish deli, and, and my dad actually spoke Polish, and, and uh, so it was great. Anytime we go into one of those places, those little ladies loved him, amen. And, and uh, we went there, and, and my, my Thanksgiving tradition on that Friday was to get some snacks and, and uh, watch some football on that Friday. And I was watching it, and my phone rang. And pastor, I have to be honest with you, I almost didn't answer it because I got so few days off working a job. I just, oh, and I looked and I saw it was from our Spanish pastor, our, our dear youth pastor's wife, Miss Marissa Savini. It was her daddy, Fred Robles, great guy, great preacher. And he called, I saw it was him, so I picked it up and I said, mi amigo, that's what I always called him, mi amigo. I said, what are you doing calling me? And his, there was a crack in his voice. And he said, Preacher, I hate to be the one to tell you this, but Eric was killed today. Eric was our pastor's oldest son. He was 18 years old. He was home from Bible college for the weekend. He said, Eric was killed. And I said, where's the preacher? And he said, he's home. He doesn't want anybody to come by but he wants you to come over. And I got my stuff. We didn't have any children then. My wife was away, and I got my stuff and just threw some clothes on real quick and began to drive over there, and I drove down a road I had driven down so many times with so much joy, fellowship, 
You know, it's a wonderful thing when you get to fellowship with your pastor. I don't say that because I'm a pastor. I say that because I'm a believer. Just how many times I enjoyed Christian fellowship. And, and, and Brother Isaac, I remember getting there and, and, and pulling up and not knowing what to say. What do you say? And I remember thinking, well, hope I can be some kind of help. And it was surreal. It was, like, it was like being in a dream. It really was. And I walked up to that, clo- to that, that walkway and, and walk up to that door and I, I saw my brokenhearted pastor. And I grabbed him and I threw my arms around him and I said, Oh God, preacher, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And one by one, I, I cried and hugged his children. They were all in my youth group. I was a youth pastor. First time ever I hugged my pastor's wife was that day. Just stayed for a few hours, went to the store for them and asked them if they wanted me to come back in the morning and they agreed that they would like to. Their family was on the way, but it was going to take a long time. And I came back the next day and stayed all day and deflected phone calls and well-meaning people coming to the door but unwanted visitors. And I watched and I cried and as emotion overcame them and the death of their precious firstborn, 18 years old, Bible college student, uh, Brother Mike, about to realize every dream that they'd ever had for them. young man was seeing a young lady from school and moving towards marriage and all those And they were forced to make decisions that no parent would ever have to make. One thing stands out to me. They worshipped. They worshipped. As they cried and hugged and prayed with one another, there was a Bible open on their island in the kitchen. And they would come over to that. And I saw my pastor just put his arms around his wife. He says, look, honey, it says every valley shall be exalted. And every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and rough places plain. He said, look, honey, it says, Isaiah 57, 1, the righteous perisheth it, and no man layeth it to heart, and merciful men are taken away, none considering that the righteous is taken away from the evil to come. They worshipped. Merrill Unger said in his commentary on the Old Testament about Job, he displayed absolute dedication of himself to God as his world flew apart in calamity, stunned him almost to insensibility. He worshipped with tokens of deepest penitence, submission, and humility as a wise man. Wise not because he understood the reason for his suffering, but because not understanding, he maintained unswerving faith in God. He worshipped. He said, what else did Job do? Look at verse number 21. First two words. And what? Naked came I out of my mother's womb. Naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Who did he say that to? Not a trick question. There were four people 
that had just come and delivered him bad news, worse news, worser news, worse news. Hmm? Four messengers. He witnessed. Number two. Not only did he worship, he witnessed. He witnessed. No matter what happened, he said to those messengers, he said, you know what? God is good. God is gracious. God hath blessed me. God is merciful. God is sovereign. God can do what He wants. And blessed be the name of the Lord. Just a week or two after our pastor's son was killed, two ladies came out to our pastor's house and they were from the grocery store called Big Wise, a local grocery store there in western Massachusetts, kind of like a Kroger's around here. And, and Eric had worked there before he went off to Midwestern. And, and uh, they had a book of memories that the employees from Big Y had signed and wanted to share with the pastor and his wife. And it was so, so sweet of them to do that. And they talked with pastor and Eric had told his dad he had designs on witnessing to these two ladies, but he wasn't able to. God took him home. So after they talked for a while, my pastor said to them, he said, Ladies, could I share something with you that my son wanted to share with you? And they said, Of course. He began to tell them that everybody's a sinner. And the wages of sin is death. And Jesus Christ died for us. And that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And in my pastor's living room, those two dear ladies bowed their heads and trusted Jesus Christ. Job worshipped. He witnessed. Number three. Verse 22. You almost miss this. You just read past it. But those first three words are the key to the whole verse. In all this. See, what else do we learn there, Pastor? Not only did Job worship, not only did he witness, he waited. He waited. In all this. The Bible doesn't tell us how long between chapter 1 and chapter 42 of Job that it is. How much time elapsed. But the Bible does tell us in Romans 5.3, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. James 1 and 3 says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect, entire, and wanting nothing. Now I know this, this is easy preaching and hard living. Because if you're like me, you want patience and you want it right now without a side of tribulation, please. Mm -hmm, that's us. That's not the way it works. I watched my pastor and his dear wife their children wait on God, do their best to let God help them. Fourthly, about Job, not only did he worship and he witnessed and he waited, but he walked on, didn't he? 
Go over to chapter 42, please. Chapter 42, and look at it with me. Now we know Job uh, was a little high-handed with his attitude. And by the way, he didn't need those kind of friends that he had. With friends like that, who needs enemies? You ever heard that? I think it's about Job's friends, really. They were fine when they were quiet. And by the way, let that be a lesson to you. pastor doesn't need advice. If he does, he'll ask you. He'll ask you. You know, the best thing you can be is quiet and there. Best thing a friend could be, quiet and there. Just there. Just there. Pastor looks over, he sees you there. Trust me, he takes courage. It's when he doesn't see you that it upsets him. I'm just giving you a pastor's heart tonight. I know, preacher, I know. (laughs) Say, what do you see there in chapter 42, verse 10? It says, and the Lord turned the captivity of Job. By the way, how about this? When he prayed for his friends. (laughs) Every time I read that, it makes me laugh. Just think about it. Those buzzards. If I had just prayed for him earlier, I'd have been out of this mess. But then look what it says. It says, also, the Lord gave Job. How much? Twice as much as he had before. He was the greatest of the men of the East. He was the greatest estest of the man of the East. Now, Job's story didn't end when the hedge was lifted. Amen, church? Let me say that again. Job's story didn't end when the hedge was lifted. There's a great song by Mosey Lister. I sing it sometimes at our church. It goes, Sometimes your pathway may through uncertainty lie. Circumstances seem to tell you that there's No reason to try, but walk on, walk on for Jesus. Walk on in His name, lifting high His royal banner. Walk on in His name. See, that's the fourth thing Job did. He walked on. He walked on. Let me give you just a few applications tonight. We'll be done. We'll come and have prayer. For those that have not yet had the hedge lifted in your life, let me just give you three quick applications. Tragedies like triumphs will come and happen to good and bad people. You know what the Bible says in Matthew 5.45? He sendeth the rain on the just and on the unjust. So tragedies like triumphs will come and happen to good and bad people. Number two, if you've not yet had the hedge lifted, your walk with the Lord today will matter when the hedge is lifted. See, the Bible says, Cast thy bread upon the waters, and it shall return many days after, many days hence. It says, He that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall reap life everlasting. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, 
that shall he also reap. That little 20-minute time you spend in your Bible every day before you go to work, I'm going to tell you, son, it'll matter when the hedge is lifted. You've been faithful in walking with God. You know that this isn't because you have been disobedient, because you, it matters. Your walk with God will matter. I think about it especially in my pastor's life. And Number three, love your family while you have them, because at any moment the hedge could be lifted. Boast not thyself tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. For those who have had the hedge lifted in their life, or it's currently lifted, you must allow yourself some time to grieve. Read Ecclesiastes chapter 3. There's a time and a purpose for everything under heaven. You know, there's a time for joy. There's a time for mourning, isn't there? You have to allow yourself time to grieve. Some things cannot be explained this side of heaven. We read 1 Corinthians 13, the great love chapter. One of the verses, Pastor, that always stands out to me in that verse is, For now we see through a glass darkly. You ever look through a dark glass? You can't see very well. You know, something's on the other side that you can't see very well. Deuteronomy 29, 29 is a verse that every Christian ought to mark in their Bible. The secret things belong unto God, them that are revealed unto us and to our children. Number three, this is a wonderful thing for those that have had the hedge lifted. You can control how you respond. Now listen, I, th I happen to think, Pastor, that too many preachers are too hard on Mrs. Job. She just lost ten children. Give the lady a break, please. I know I would preach, oh, bless God, that woman, she just needed to get in her place. Just do us all a favor and close your mouth. Amen. But she didn't control how she responded. Why don't you just curse God and die? The Bible says in all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. And said to his woman, you speak as one of the foolish women. We receive good of the Lord, shall we not receive evil? Here's applications for all of us. God is still on the throne. Colossians 1.17, by Him all things consist. That hasn't changed. Whether the hedge is on us or whether it's lifted. God is still there. You know what Job said? He says, I feel around every side and I can't feel Him. But I know that when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. He's still there. Even when you can't see him, even when you can't feel him, we walk by and not by sight. Ladies and gentlemen, God is still good to his children. God is still good to his children. Psalm chapter 119, the great psalm of the word of God <clears throat> in verse number 68 says this thou art good <clears throat> and doest good teach me thy statutes you know when the hedge is lifted in your life you need to remember that God is good Amen. you know one of the very first things that Satan tried to convince Adam and Eve was that God was not being good to them <laughs> God said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Well, I'll tell you, a good God would let you eat all of them. It's obviously not being good to you. 
No, he's always good. Always. In things that he allows, too. He's good. So he's on the throne. He's still there. He's good to his children. He still knows what he's doing. Think of that majestical passage in Romans chapter 11, verse 33. Oh, the wisdom of God. The wisdom and knowledge of God. He still knows what he's doing. But you don't understand what happened to me. You're right. And I love you, brother, and I love you, sister. But God understands. God is still a mistake-free record. You see, as for God, His way is perfect, Psalm 18.30 says. God can still comfort you if you'll allow Him to. See, He's the God of all comfort who comforteth us in every tribulation that we may be able to comfort others wherewith the comfort whereby we are comforted. Can I tell you this? Lastly, I'll finish with this. God's promises can still be trusted. Listen to me, church. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. How many things? All. All things. And they work together. Finish with this illustration. When I was a kid, I was an only adopted child. Yes, that's the problem. Thank you. I, think, I always think of this church, I think of big families, Pastor, and just God's blessed you with a big family, and, a, and obviously it attracts big families. I, I'm an only adopted child. I never had to share anything. And not only that, I was adopted, so they gave me all this stuff that I didn't have to share, which was great. Amen? I loved it. I like to see my kids now fight over stuff. It's beautiful. It's like watching two, do- it's like watching two dogs with a bone. You know? Amen? So I, I was home and, and literally had the, had the run, Pastor. I mean, I could just go into the cabin and get out a bag of chips or ice cream or whatever. And I was home one time and uh, I, I came, <laughs> came into the kitchen and uh, Mother had one of those ovens with the, the hood over it and, and above that. And I look and I'm going through the cabinets. And, Gee whiz, there's nothing in this house to eat. And it's amazing how much of nothing to eat we have in our houses. Amen. The whole world would love to have our nothing. Amen. And I'm looking around, and, and I look, and I see some Hershey's chocolate, and all God's people said. And it was a little bit fatter, Pastor. It kind of looked like one of those chunky bars. And I smelled it just to make sure, Brother Vincent. I went, yep, that's Hershey's chocolate, all right. But it was in this weird wax paper. And I seen that before. The kind I liked always came in the foil. So I broke off a piece and I put it in my mouth and I had one of the most disappointing experiences of my entire life as I went, gross, it was unsweetened baking chocolate. Gross. To this day, every time I pass that aisle in the the Myers, I'm like, you know, hit the willies. There's probably a lot of good bakers in this room. They'll tell you, you take a couple eggs. I see people drink eggs. I'm like, what is wrong with you, you know? It's like, I'm going out working out. I was like, well, cook them first. What's wrong with you? You whiz. Oh, I'm 
you take a couple eggs, take some flour, take some of that baking chocolate, take some sugar, put it in a bowl, and mix it. All things work. Hmm? You know, there's some experiences, Pastor. They're, they're the bittersweet chocolate, aren't they? Ugh. We, we resist those experiences, don't we? We don't like them. I don't like them. I'm sorry. You know, maybe you're more spiritual than I am. Oh, yes, I love those experiences. <laughs> yeah. The only thing holding up your halo is your horns. Thank you very much. And, uh, just, oh. And God takes them, and he works them together. You know what happens when he works them together? Verse 29 doesn't say he's predestinated us to heaven or hell, Brother Mike. It says he's predestinated us because all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed into the image of his Son. That I may know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his what to do when the hedge is lifted. You know what Job did? He worshipped. He witnessed. He waited. He walked on for God. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklay.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.